Podcast. I'm Violet Luca, digital editor. This week's episode focuses on a name that isn't well known outside of France, but is very dear to the initiated, Vincent Lindahl. The subject of an interview and profile by Joan Dupont in our March-April issue, Lindahl's career has been largely defined by his working-class roles in films like Claire Denis' Friday Night and Stéphane Brise's The Measure of a Man, for which he won Best Actor at last year's Cannes. I spoke with Wesley Morris of the New York Times and Amy Taubin, contributor to Film Comment and Art Forum, about his unique charms, the work of visual artist Ryan Treecarton, and why other contemporary actors simply don't occupy a similar niche. Hello and welcome to the Film Comment podcast. My name is Violet Luca. I'm the digital editor. And today I'm joined by Wesley Morris of the New York Times and Amy Taubin of Film Comment, and Art Forum. Excellent. Thank you both for being here today in the midst of Tribeca and other madness that is happening in New York. Our Thanks lives are for very, having us. Yes. <laughs> Our lives are so exciting. Um, uh, so today we're going to be talking about Vincent Lindon. Uh, he, his latest film, which is really kind of, I think, one of those films that showcases a lot of his talents. Uh, the Measure of a Man is coming out, and there's going to be a whole little Lindospective at Metrograph Theater. Uh, so we're just going to talk about him. When is that happening, by I the think, way? Isn't it this weekend? Oh, okay. It starts this weekend. Okay. Yes. Yeah. All right. So maybe <laughs> maybe maybe after this comes up people can see you see us all there. Yeah, I but, mean I'm gonna I'm I'm going to I was I was I was I'm gonna I was gonna write something about this topic anyway a little bit. So we kind of started with Batman and Super versus Superman. Oh, you started, started oh, it. yeah. But now I have an additional complaint that I couldn't fit into that story involving people who are like, just that that the the question that is answered by Vincent Lindahl is. What's the question? The question is like, where are the men, and why aren't they? Why aren't they doing more than being superheroes? Like, I mean, why aren't they, I mean, the costumes in superheroes. Right. Because I would say that sort of one of the remarkable things about this performance in Measure for Man is that, you know, there is something very sort of mortal and human and, and quote, average, unquote, about him. But the position, the framing, the sort of moral framing around the character sort of makes him, um, you know, under the circumstances, super heroic, which is... A sl- one of my dings against the movie, in a way. Mm. Um, one of your dings against this movie? Against this movie. Huh. I mean, I like it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think one of the things is the way it kind of sets, ultimately sets him up as, as being so much more moral than, than the system that it... It is not a... It's obviously by no means a fatal problem. It's right. part of the movie's critique. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, without his being positioned that way... You don't you don't get your point made, but anyway, my 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 less important point was just that um, he is a good person to to contrast against all these American people. I see, and French people too. Um, I first became aware of him when Claire Denis told me when she made Friday Night that she was so lucky to be able to cast him 
Because when you think of what a woman who's stuck in her car might daydream about, <laughs> um, a French woman, it's him. And there he is, and he appears in the road. Mm. And the movie becomes a two-hander. And I had no idea who he was. I mean, he hadn't really impressed me, even though I had seen him. Mm -hmm. He did impress me big time in Friday Night, and in this movie even more so. Yeah. Um, and it has to do, yes, with him being a good guy and being unequivocally male and being working class largely. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's mm -hmm. the working class. He's the um, sexually attractive Bernie Sanders. <laughs> yeah. He's not your dad. He's your older brother who's dating some... Your neighbor's husband. Yes. You're like... Yes. You're... I don't even... Like, everything yes. Everything appropriate that is... Like, everything that you... Everything that's okay to want or covet yeah. that isn't Bernie Sanders <laughs> sexually. Um <laughs> No, it's true. Let's get She's off right. this. Oh, no, this is, but I think we should talk about dads as a type because I know, like, I have very, I have a lot of gay male friends who prefer dads. So we're talking about, like, um, these are, these will betray my friend's interest, but obviously, um, uh, beloved deceased James Gandolfini, yeah. classic dad. Uh, see, I don't go on. I just I'm not that the dad category. That's kind of a gay taxonomy that I, as a homosexual, don't identify with at all. Okay. I mean, what I'm open Chris, to what about Maloney. It, what about Maloney? Chris Maloney? A dad? He's how he's, old are your friends? Fourteen? <laughs> no, but you. He, I mean, he's in. Don't you think he's in that category? I don't know. Okay, we need to. We need to. We, we need only to clarify. because he's not a mom. That's right, awful. right. <laughs> he is capable of producing children. Okay, right, right. Okay, with Stanley Tucci. A dad? Oh, no. Okay, fine. Listen, Jesus. listen, listen. But wait, okay, wait. this is a dead end. Wait, Violet, dead no, end. no, no, no. I want to hear about this. I want you to sort of, can we define what this, I mean, I know what it is, but just so it's clear what we're talking about, right? So yes. if we, so at the same time, would Ian McKellen be a dad or would he be something else? You see what I'm saying? Like, I, yeah. Is a dad like a hot older man, period? Is it a person who, I don't know. I feel like I am I might be being lawyerly about this in a way that I don't need to. <laughs> but I also, because I mean. In the court of what is hot, you right. must present. <laughs> I don't know. I just sort of feel like, I, I, Vincent Landon is, is someone who. I guess under those circumstances, but, but, because what we're really talking about when you start to classify it that way is we're talking about there is a kind of there's an ethnicity thing that's there. Mm -hmm. Like this person is, I mean, I don't know. We won't we don't have to specify an ethnicity, although we like three of the people we just named are of Italian. He's descent. not blonde, and he's not yes. blonde. And it's true because there is a like there is no one I can hair. think of who is sort of. This type does not ascribe to, or does not is not ascribed to men I would identify as wasps. So there mm -hmm. is like the blue collar element is definitely part of it. Um, there's a kind of unself conscious masculinity. Obviously, the impression of virility is part of this too. And there's just like a confidence that comes with this person's being on screen. Mm -hmm. 
it just seems effortless, even when they're asked to do things that require a lot of work. Their sort of spiritual essence on screen is uncomplicated. For example, in Measure for a Man, my favorite scene is the scene where they decide they have this free time and they'll go to this dance class. Oh, yes. And yes. seeing yeah. that couple dancing. In those jeans that he's wearing. Yeah. And yes. Yeah. Yeah. I love bad dancing in movies. It's not bad it's dancing. Not he is okay. an extremely graceful dancer and an extremely unselfconscious dancer. That's the you part know, that really makes learning it sexy. Learning this part totally to do these steps totally, totally without any self-consciousness at all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I mean, like it's a representation of what is not good dancing, I should say. For him to do that, I mean, I'm also thinking of like the fits, like when Royalty Hightower shows when she's learning how to do this dance, like she does, she also, I, I think she's also someone who does bad dancing well, but anyway. To your point, like there is, that's the kind of work that you don't see yes. that you aren't thinking about when you're watching him mm-hmm. because he has so fully inhabited what that experience would be like for that man. I mean, the thing that's so moving about this movie is the circ- the social circumstances he's up against are directly opposed to all of the things that, that his carriage comport, Right. Like, he's supposed to be somebody who is instinctively, according to the way we're defining the way masculinity works, I guess, to supposed to be take, to take care of his, he should be able to take care of his family, right. find a job, produce stability in his household, but is increasingly stymied in his efforts to do that. And yet the movie isn't about, like, an emotional breakdown, right? I mean, he's so, he's so sturdy that, you know, he can't, he's kind of unbreakable in some ways. Yeah, I mean, I think what's so, I think the movie is very, very smart, and it is kind of like a Brechtian learning play in one sense. And in the other, to appeal is very, very, very wide, because these are the people, the guys who've had good jobs all their lives, and these jobs just don't, exist anymore who are being screwed over here too Mm -hmm. but the way they're represented here is that uh, so complicated in the united states a good percentage of those guys went to the right years ago Mm -hmm. as they were screwed over they went more and more to the right they aren't union guys anymore Mm -hmm. you have the feeling with this character that he is a lefty, even though the movie mm-hmm. isn't very specific about that. Right. Just in ter- it's smart, though, in terms of the way he's surrounded. Mm-hmm. And he's being screwed, too. So we care about him, or at least we, Wesley, me, you, people like us, care about him much more than the, the guys that we've already seen abandoning those here, those blue-collar values. Mm-hmm. So in some ways, I mean, we're talking about a forsaken, like a lot of a lot of values and types that are that have been forsaken. Yeah. yeah. And in some ways, I mean, he's a vestige. I mean, in so many ways of like both the character, the actor, and the performance are vestiges of things that that we no longer value in the way we once did. Right. I mean, in the second film he did with. Claire Denis, what's the name of that Bastards? Film? Bastards. I mean, it's the same character. He's right. just 
totally out of his depth in this totally amoral world. He's just this, you know, seaman who comes back to take care of his women who he's (laughs) kind of abandoned and the world has just changed. Of a woman's shoe factory, no less. Yes. Right, right. I mean, I I just find the way he can be used by different people. I find that like, I like the way women use him, for instance. I mean, I'm sure if I sat here for a minute and tried to think about the way women use him versus the way men use him and like which direct, which women he's worked with. I think that there is a kind of understanding at this point that if you're hiring him, you should be hiring him to like be near a woman just to see what happens from an energy standpoint, (laughs) you know, because as far as I know, he's never played a gay character, although I just can't think of I I would I feel like that I would just know that Mm. that would be something that would be uploaded into my into my data stream (laughs) somehow. (laughs) I just I would just know that. So it's just interesting watching him. There's a movie that I don't think is very good at all called La Moustache. Yes. Um, did you ever see that, Amy? No. Where maybe, but he, he's a guy who register. like shaves off his mustache one day and like all hell breaks loose. Oh yes, life. remember it's that? Like a, it's oh, like yeah. an absurdist, like yeah. Russian fabulous right. sort of thing. And it's not very good. But the reason that man is a star is that. You will watch him in all, I mean, at least I will. I'll watch him in almost anything. He's a great star. I don't actually know that he's a great actor. I think he's capable of of great depths, but not a lot of like, he can't go far out one way or far out the other way. Not that that's a requirement for anything, but the thing that makes him so watchable in some ways is that he knows, he knows, I think, his limits, which is why he hasn't tested them very much. And he knows what he's capable of doing, and he does this. Th- he does these like this handful of things really, really well, and they're applicable to to a movie of any quality. I just like watching him. I yeah, watch. Him I like watching him too. And he isn't my type. You know. Wait, it, I'm sorry. Isn't... Stop. <laughs> Amy, he what's isn't. your what's he your? He isn't type? at all my type. I mean, I know it registers on me that he's an attractive guy. Mm-hmm. But he's not my type. But who, like, just staying in the realm of the movies, who is an example of your type of man? Oh, God, I don't know. I mean, I'm not thinking right now, but the kinds of men I both like to watch usually and like in life are more feline than he is. Oh, Interesting. You know, and that's... that's like your Alain Delon, if we're staying in France, or... Kind of, but not even. Alain Delon was just so beyond beautiful. Yes. Okay. Feline. Not particularly anything else. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of like a, like a classic version of this. Jean-Pierre Leo? No, not at all. Okay. Um, Jean-Pierre, he's like a puppy dog. Right, okay. Um... Like, I mean, the only thing, when you say that, the person who comes to mind right now is... I don't know, Barishnikov. Okay. (laughs) Feline? (laughs) Interesting. Okay, then I'm not even going to name the other... I was going to say Gaspar Ulalel or something like that, but Willem Dafoe? Yeah, William Willem is like that. Okay, all right. He's a bit feline. Okay. I like blondes, so... Oh, blondes, okay. (laughs) There we Um, go. Yeah, I don't really, I don't know if I have a type. I just, I'm really, like, energy is the thing that interests me. And if you, I mean, there are are Willem Dafoe performances, for instance, where that man's energy 
gets to me when he's used right i'm very turned on by him and i'm very willing to follow him miles wherever davis. he goes miles davis <laughs> the 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 person yeah miles sure miles davis on the stage <sighs> yeah I, I don't have prolonged exposure to miles davis that way though do you know what i mean like as it, like i mean i'm very familiar with him as an audio experience but not as a as a stage presence like i've seen him live and it is captivating but it's not quite, the, I mean, I'm much more familiar with someone like James Brown live yeah. and how that works. But that's a good example of somebody who, it could only be energy that like brings you to him, right? Because he's not really handsome. I mean, it's like Vincent, Vincent Landon is not handsome. No, he's like craggy. He looked old 25 years ago. Exactly. <laughs> and so the thing that is drawing you to him is, a, is charisma and it is these sort of intangible qualities that make you want to be near him. Okay, so I'm going to throw a monkey wrench into this conversation. Okay, yes. Because I brought up Ryan Tricartan. You know who yes. Ryan Tricartan is. Yes. And he has a show right now, which has just been extended only till this coming Wednesday the 20th. It's at um, Andrea Rosen on 24th Street. And it is just, I mean, it is a game changer. I've said that before about his work, but only in relation to the art world. Mm -hmm. This is a game changer in relation to everything. And because I think he's pushed what he does, or he and, this is so unfair, he has a partner that he's worked with from the beginning, Lizzie Fitch. Mm -hmm. They both went to RISD. They graduated she together. She a lot of that stuff. Yes, right? she right. does. Okay. And lots of people shoot because the people who are in the pieces have cameras. Right. Um, we should say this is a this is a young, thirty five, young enough, gay enough male who is interested in. I mean, I can't really categorize. This Polymorphous but, perverse world right, is right. as quickly as you can say it. Uh, what's really interesting about his work is he just makes all the old sexual fantasies that people built narratives around seem impossibly retro and old hat. And that's especially true of the relationship of sex and power. Mm -hmm. Sex and power just doesn't exist in Ryan Trickwarton. And in that way, you could say, well, they're all just playing. It's like a big kindergarten. Well, it is and it isn't. Because what I find so interesting is that, and because it is like play and kindergarten, there's the girl groups and the boy groups. Mm -hmm. And uh, they each have very different energies. But the girl groups could be lots of trans people and lots of biological girls all mixed together and girls who are acting being girls and girls who are camping being girls. And the same thing is true of the boys groups. Um, and you could go from one group to the other. It is all about identity as performance mm -hmm. and... It is sweet beyond belief, even though they say this is a very dark piece. Mm -hmm. I could live in that installation forever. Mm. It's not quite like gaming because you're not playing, yeah, although it's all directed toward you. Mm -hmm. And I just, you know, I'm so tired of thinking that person is a sexy guy. And this is not to put down. Vincent Landon, mm -hmm. who is 
an immensely sexy guy who is, I think, a great actor and wonderful in this very great film. But most of what's out there in the depiction of sexuality and... I'm sorry, where are you seeing sexuality even depicted, by the way? Oh, all over the place. They talk, <laughs> I mean, they think they're depicting <laughs> right, sexuality. This is what I'm they yeah. talk about right. depicting sexuality. Right. It just doesn't exist. I mean, or it's so foreign now to the mm. way I think about it. Well, it is so infrequently depicted that people don't know how to do it. Right. And then when they do do it, it doesn't mean anything, it's not resonant at all. I'm not the certainly not the first person to say this, but it's like the dearth of movies for adults. We have all of these uh, Marvel Comics Universe films. We have all of these these you know films that really don't there aren't romantic films like there used to be, or even rom coms like there used to be. So there's sort of this dearth of and ex- even an expression of like attraction, let alone sexuality that's happening. I don't want to use the M word, but there's not that much in like, you know, uh, independent films either. You mean misogyny? Or? No, mumblecore. Oh, mumblecore, right. <laughs> um, I don't know. I feel like the one of the problems is even when you do get a quote unquote adult movie, it's not about, I mean, the thing that we call adult movies in America are things that are topical. Right. Do you know what I mean? They're not about people. They're about like... That Jim Cramer movie's not going to have any sex in it, which is bullshit. Right. I mean, for what? which movie? <laughs> the Mad Money or whatever it is where it's oh. like... Uh, oh, the George Clooney thing. Yeah, Jodie yeah, Foster. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's not even go there. <laughs> but no, Amy, you were correct. And, and so the idea that, yes, in some ways we began having this conversation with a very specific part of a of a kind of maybe limited or it's not quite a binary because we haven't opposed it to anything, but there is a kind of classic. I mean, the, one of the reasons it's interesting, it's interesting to talk about him about Landon is he is one of the very last people of this kind of sexuality mm-hmm. and this kind of self-expression. But what's interesting is the Ryan tree carton idea of the way sexuality works I mean, it doesn't feel to me in the movies anyway to even be on the horizon. Do you know what I mean? No. And so it's not as though when 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 Landon goes and you know the few other people who give off that kind of energy. It is a little bit. uh, I think maybe maybe Harmony Korine Spring Breakers was getting at something like this. Sure, sure. But it's but I mean again, these are like these are whispers. These are implications they're not quite it isn't as though we are we are we are currently at the movies or watching tv with some person who embodies Mm -hmm. you know a star who Mm -hmm. embodies this kind of sexuality in in the same way that i mean you you know you can see it in something like tangerine which is a much more explicit version of this um where everybody's sexuality is upside down Mm -hmm. Um, but only to us, not to the world, which is sort of what's amazing about that movie also is just its normalization of of the off-kilter. But that seems like, those things seem, they're pointing at the way a lot of people live now and think about themselves as sexual beings, but by no means is it a mainstream. The horizon is so, so far from where... Right. Those movies. Are. I do know another actor who's like Marcel Landau. Oh, what is his name? Uh, for a long time, he was Kiyoshi Kurosawa's great star. Oh, oh, oh poo. He usually plays a cop or a 
detective or uh, he's also in a movie that I just love by a younger Japanese director. Is it Koji Yakusho? That is who he is. Okay. Oh yeah, I know him. He, I, I. It's funny because he is exactly this. That's exactly what he is. He's kind of like a not handsome, yeah. but yeah. very yep. sexual. Sexual, like his energy is very sexual. You will watch him do a lot of things. There are a number of actors like Chow Yun Fat was like that for me. Yeah. Um. He definitely had that kind of. I know, but I, Amy, it's over. But but there was a moment when he was just a fifty-year-old guy, just trying to make it. And when that was going on, he was a pleasure to like. He was a pleasure to watch, and he actually is really handsome, like just sort of just conventionally speaking. And you know, there aren't a lot of people like uh, Filippo Timmy, the Italian actor, is like that. Although he is also handsome. Um, I mean, this guy was so, um, Koji Yakusho was so attractive that Harvey Weinstein bought that movie, um, Let's Dance. Yes. And put it out. Yeah. And it was all because of him. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was just undeniable. He still is undeniable. There aren't a lot of these people. And first of all, the other thing is you kind of have to be at this point for the thing we're talking about. You have to be around that age, right? Yeah. You have to be somewhere between like your early to mid 40s and your 70s yeah. to, to I achieve mean, it. You could have been Humphrey Bogart, but that was another time. Yeah, you could have been Humphrey Bogart. I mean, but if you look at like even looking at like young Paul Newman, it was just there in, in Paul Newman. And Paul Newman, I mean... I no, I disagree. He was Wait. like way too. He was always like super attractive. He's very attractive, right? Right. But I mean, all right. Like Liz so, Taylor was like, I had a hard time looking at him because he was okay. So yes. No. He was beautiful, but he also had a ruggedness though that, I mean, at least for me, caught up against like how unwatchably beautiful he was. You know, mm. like he had he had a he had a magnetism. I don't know. Maybe I'm alone in this. You, you guys a lot, are like, a lot of people think that, you know, Paul Newman and HUD was absolutely, that was one of the most magnetic performances oh. ever on the screen. I never felt like that. Yeah, I, I didn't I think he that. knew how to act till no, much he, later. No, much right. no, later. no, 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 no. You are, that is true. He did not become an actor until like, it was not too late, but I mean, it was well after he'd become a star. Yeah. Yeah, there, but it's just like, this is a hard class of person, right? Like the Christopher Maloney's and the James Gandolfini's and Stanley Tucci is a very good actor. Yeah, but he's not doing the sort of work that we're talking no, about. Not at all. Right. Right. But the, those but the, those roles don't exist here. I would argue. If he could, if he could just spend his life being like, I don't think Stanley Tucci wants to even think about being Vincent Landau, but. He could, in a different, if he were just some Italian dude who just made movies in Italy, he could certainly wear a tank top and walk around and like <laughs> grunt all day if he wanted to. But I just don't think those are values that we we don't care about. We don't we don't we don't care about we don't those care about that. anymore. We don't care I mean, about middle class or blue collar men. Yeah, because I was in the dad list. I was going to say uh, Dan Connor on Roseanne. Oh, John Goodman. As, yeah, John very, Goodman. 
the last great depiction of like blue collar people on television. And movies. he was also kind of like his vulnerability on that show was very sexy. Oh my god, yes. Yeah. Yes. Did you ever watch that, Amy? Did you ever yeah. watch Roseanne? Yeah, I mean, yeah. that was and you keep, you know what's funny about John Goodman? I keep looking for that person yeah. in like future and later John Goodman and that person is that was a performance. Right. That what that is that that man does not live in any other John Goodman character, mm-hmm. Dan Dan Connor. So it, I mean, it really is interesting how good that. Well, guy was these on that days, show. who's the actor that everyone is so in love with? Um, the film actor. Yeah, he's uh, he was in Friday Night Lights, and he's in Todd Haynes' movie. He plays the husband in Carol. Oh. Oh, oh, um, oh, he's definitely got it. Kyle Chandler. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 He's definitely got it. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but, I mean, after Coach Taylor and that, like, totally overrated Netflix show, he, like, The Wolf of Wall Street, when he shows up, I mean, it doesn't, like, I really like that movie anyway, but I, listen, fine. Guilty as charged. <laughs> but he, is so interesting in that movie because you always sort of wonder what Di- what DiCaprio's problem is as an actor, like the thing he doesn't have. And every once in a while, he'll be opposite an actor where you're like, oh, right, that's what it is. That's absolutely <laughs> true. That's, that's exactly what true. it is. Like when Tom Hardy acts, you you put those two guys in the scene and you're like, oh, that's what Leonardo DiCaprio cannot do. And when Kyle Chandler shows up on that boat in Wolf of Wall Street, it isn't even so much that, like, Chandler isn't doing anything, but he's doing so much more from an energy standpoint oh, than yeah. DiCaprio ever does. And I like Leonardo DiCaprio. Guilty again. Just stop. <laughs> but there's, I, you so can't deny. Boring. You can't deny. I know. <laughs> this is my point. You cannot deny the thing that Kyle Chandler has, which is just so natural you can't buy what that man has and that's the thing that kind of but now we're talking about something else we're not talking about even about acting that's what not with the we're talking about casting sure mm-hmm. you sure know? but Kyle Chandler's never going to have a movie he's never going to have a measure of a man you know what i mean he's yeah. never going to be cast that way he's no. never going to be cast that way but what american would be because that's again like it's coming back to this issue of like what I mean I think that you want to know who the sexiest guys and they're all Brits for me. Mm. I mean Tim Roth has that. He can totally have it. yes yes and now that he's older, mm. he's getting better. He's just not this crazy. He young was guy. terrible as George Wallace though. In what he was he was terrible. I didn't think he was very good in Selma. Oh, I didn't think so either. But. No, but, but 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 as a star, like but the, you don't want to you don't want to go to bed with that. But anyway, continue with Tim Roth. I'd go to no, bed with, and, you know, with, with the with the with George Wallace. Yeah, no. I mean, listen, <laughs> listen, <laughs> listen. Like we're value neutral here in this conversation, okay. right? Like I'd go to bed with Tim Roth's George Wallace, not the actual George Wallace, right? Like value yes. neutral, <laughs> yes. Is not a great performance, but it's Tim Roth, and Amy is right. He does have that, without doing anything, is so naturally sexual, and he is mm-hmm. actually somebody who knows it. And and sometimes it kind of gets on my nerves a little bit, <laughs> and then sometimes he turns it off, and it drives you bananas. Like in the movie that that the 
the movie that's coming out where he plays the the home nurse. Yeah, that I, is such a crazy movie, but it's a great crazy. That's your adjective. Well, it's a bad movie. Okay, but that's, it, it's that's a terrible bad. movie. But it's really. But he's he's a good performance. What he's is good? This, what is this movie? It's called Chronic, and I I loathe the movie, but I'm fa- he fascinates me. Alan Rickman. Oh, there's another one. He didn't do it for me, but I understand. I understand. I don't. Whatever you don't feel for whoever I didn't, Paul Newman or whatever. Mm-hmm. Totally, I don't get the for Alan Rickman thing. Listen, I defer to all the women who are just like, oh, <laughs> I don't have it. He does not trip my wire, but I. I'm gonna take a hard pass too. Sorry, on Alan Rickman. Yeah, I just for me, I am just fast. I watch him hoping to feel like I've seen truly madly deeply. So many Me times. Me too. Me too. Maybe twenty times. Right, but the twenty times I've seen it, I'm trying to like, like have whatever happens to you happen to me, uh, and it has never uh, happened. And I feel like if it's gonna happen in any movie, it's probably gonna be that one, and it just hasn't happened. I think mm-hmm. something we're not talking about, and certainly Vincent Landon has it, is voices. Mm-hmm. In the end, voices are yeah, they, really, yeah. really important. He's, Landon definitely has. has a great voice. Alan Rickman had a great voice. Tim Roth has a great voice. Mm-hmm. Gandolfini had a great voice. Yeah, yeah, you can't have these voices that aren't that have nothing to do with the body. Mm-hmm. Oh you know, yes, that's a great point. That's a great point. You know who? <laughs> this is the most ridiculous conversation. No, it's a great it conversation because it's, it's fundamental. Fun. It's an elemental movie conversation. And also, as you me. notice, I'm revealing nothing <laughs> about right. my. Yeah. <laughs> Except that you wouldn't sleep with George Wallace. <laughs> Congratulations. There's an original, there's know, an original what, revelation. How brave of me to come out um, against that. <laughs> we, I will offer this and then we can, we can close. Yes. How do we feel about Ben Affleck in this category? He has the properties for everything we're talking about. He doesn't about. have a voice. It sounds like... Sounds like mine does today because I have a cold. It sounds like <laughs> a lot of air is going through. No, it. Ben Affleck. Yes, he has a very of, masculine voice. Oh, I don't Amy. think so. I it think really it, matches oh. whatever he's done to make his body look like it does now. Yes, he has a, a strange, under-discussed homunculus quality that is. Everyone discusses it. Okay. I mean, I'm using it as a virtue as opposed to a mm-hmm. pejorative. Right. But like he he could have played that Goodwill hunting character unto death. He could have kept playing that guy over and over and over again. And you know what? I think and the town, the same thing. Mm-hmm. I think he plays blue collar guys probably better than any American actor at that level of 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 I mean But that's his background. Matt Damon. But it's acting with him. It's not, I mean, I mean, what we're talking about is a combination of nature and acting. Yes. Right? Like, I do think that it, like, that what we're talking about is in Affleck's nature. It just, there's nothing for it. There's no outlet for it. Do you know what I mean? There are no roles for him to, to, exactly. to put that into. Because he can all, and it's also sex because he's actually, uh, comedically, he is good too. He can do comedic roles. And he, earlier this morning, I watched uh, him or listen to his DVD commentary for Armageddon where he just completely makes fun of the movie and it's kind of amazing to hear somebody at that level make fun of the movie that helped put them on the map. Right. For being no, ridiculous. I mean, I don't know. I'm also like wondering why 
I mean, I guess this is just the way, a function of the way the movies work in general, but we couldn't really have this conversation and with American actors if we only talked about actors of color given what we what we don't have, right? right? Like, there aren't enough... I mean, there are certainly actors we can talk about... There are certainly non-white actors we can we can put into this class of people, but not at the level of stardom that... Well, I don't know. I mean, I think if you're going to have this conversation across the board, then you mentioned Denzel and why it's the way Denzel is used that doesn't allow him. But he's too suave. There's yeah. something too smooth about him to to for like at least in the way I'm conceiving of the, we're of the type of man we're only allowed then right? masculinity is totally identified with working class. No, no, we're talking about. I mean, if we're going to expand this conversation to talk about all masculinity, uh-huh. then obviously you, there's like a there's like a zillion actors, black actors, and like Latin actors you can put into that classification mm-hmm. of masculinity. But we're talking about like stars. We're talking no, we're talking about like. A masculinity that is attached to to blue collar work, and that is attached to a kind of bygone ideal of 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 what an American or what it what just what a man is in general, right? Um, I don't think there are a, like Denzel is not he doesn't he can play that, but it is not native to what makes Denzel Washington Denzel Washington. Right. Conversely, Damian Bashir who doesn't work that much in American movies, mm-hmm. but when you do see him, is very much that sort of actor. Mm-hmm. And he's somebody who, again, like we could easily be talking about him the way we talk about Vincent Landon, but like, what is the outlet for all that energy? There isn't one. It's all stereotypes at this point. He had a decent TV show that they canceled because it was only decent. But I don't know. Like, there's a, I mean, there are a lot of guys who sort of fit that category. Mm-hmm. But there just isn't, there aren't the roles for them. Well, on that sad note, because I'm <laughs> Sorry, worried. Sorry, guys. I'm worried. So, so <laughs> go out. I don't know. Everyone can run out and see the Metrograph series and make themselves feel better or gor- gorge themselves yeah, on this particular brand. Yeah, if you have seen anything with this wonderful actor in it, you should by all means see A Measure of a Man and then, you know, see whatever's at the Metrograph, which you're, you're just going to go watch a star be a star. doesn't matter what you watch him in. Yeah. So by all means, just go. Before we close, I'm going to ask, in the spirit of last 10 films, just say uh, one film that you've seen recently that you liked. So uh, the movie I like that I saw this week <laughs> is At Tribeca, and it's the Argentine director Daniel Berman, and his movie is called, in English, The Tenth Man. Mm. Uh, can I have two? Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, coming up at the Metrograph, uh, May 4th for a week run. This is um, the English translation would be Without Wings, but I think they're keeping the Spanish title, which is Sin, S-I-N, Alas, shot entirely in Cuba by the great Sean Price Williams. And it is directed by Ben Chase, mm. who made another of my favorite movies, Wado Dem. But this movie is really something. What? Well, what? what okay. <laughs> you won't say what it's about. You'll just give it a hearty endorsement. Um, you know, I think it has two motivations. One, it is 
photographing Cuba, particularly Havana, as it will not be in five years. Yes. But it's also about the past 50 years and how little, it's a very strange thing, how little the form of government had to what matters in the end to people, which is how they did or did not fuck up their relationships. Well, I'm working on this project about the history of blackness in popular culture, and I thought that there might be a possibility that I was going to write about Robert Townsend's Hollywood Shuffle, and I don't think I am. I might mention it, but I thought I would spend more time with it than I had planned to, mm -hmm. and I just changed my mind. Uh, but I'm. it is a great movie. It is a really wonderful movie of the sort that doesn't get made anymore. It's really funny. And what's really interesting about it is that it's, it's timeless, apparently. Unfortunately. Very sad. <laughs> sad but true. Yes. <laughs> timeless. But it's, in its timelessness, it's also, I, I think it gets more painfully funny the older it gets, too. Yeah. Because it, at no point... Are we at a, are we are, at, I guess we're, more things have happened to black actors in the film industry in the last, like since 1987, but not enough for the jokes in this movie not to still hurt a lot. And the thing that is interesting to me is, the other thing that's interesting is that it's, a, it's still a movie about the black family at the same time, which I mm. never think of. Nobody really thinks of it this way, but it is kind of a black family movie too, um, about the the keeping together of the traditions of of the black family in Southern California, which is just another whole other specific thing that connects with Charles Burnett and that sort of thing. Okay. But Hollywood Shuffle, if you haven't seen it, you should. Thanks for coming. You've been listening to the Film Comet Podcast, produced by Violet Luca and Nicholas Rapold, with music by Greg Anji. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. Film Comet is a bi-monthly magazine published by the Film Society of Lincoln Center. Since 1962, Film Comet has featured in-depth interviews, critical analysis, and feature coverage of mainstream, arthouse, and avant-garde filmmaking from around the world. Visit us online at filmcomet.com slash subscribe to purchase a digital or print subscription to the magazine. Film Comet, at the heart of film culture for over 50 years.